Lunch Money Lambert, Jeff Malott. Welcome to the Kaizast Nation. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to KBN Live. Ryan, what's up? They almost man. went on loop, didn't it? I know. No, I was like, man, we're, we're really going to run this thing out here tonight. They almost went on loop. I had to cut it. I had to cut it real quick. Uh, welcome to another Monday night, KBN Live. How you doing tonight, man? You freezing over there in Tennessee? Things a sheet of ice. I got snow in my yard. I don't, I don't live in Tennessee for this. I feel like I'm in the Arctic Circle. This is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Ashley's been talking about we need to head south. This is this is no good. We don't, we don't like the ice and snow, even in Arkansas. So. Where are you going? Uh, little, Louisiana? I don't know. Just anywhere. Chasing 75 degrees. That's the theory. Okay. Gonna... okay. That's that's the magic number, huh? Yeah, yeah. But there's a little little baby that keeps us from leaving. So Roro's keeping us here. She's keeping us in the cold. That's worth it. Not, that's worth it. Yeah, you can shovel snow for that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I hope everybody out there in KB Nation's staying warm. Unless you're if you're down in the deep south, then we don't want to hear from you if you're living in the cutoffs and tank tops and everything else in January. Shane, Shane was complaining because it was like 40 degrees the other day in Florida. <laughs> playing volleyball and doing yeah, whatever he's stuff doing. out there on the beach that's some nonsense uh we got people jumping in right now from looks like youtube facebook we're waiting on our twitchers to jump on so it's going to be a good night if you guys saw we've got carl jacobson elite series pro and now kayak pro right joining the show he's making his debut yeah we 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 tricked him into coming on i don't know if he knows what he's getting into but we're gonna have a fun time vis <laughs> visiting with him hopefully he doesn't drop out of the, the green room there but i'm sure he got several warnings when the announcement went out so he'll be yeah it's cool when i made the announcement post did you see the thread going on the on the fan page about that i mean I a lot not. of people were super excited a few people are like oh my god what am i gonna do i'm fishing against an elite bro it's like hey wait a minute he's not the first one to do it we've been no, doing this i mean we years. you know we've had joe lee jump in some ike gdp uh you know i mean it's a uh, uh, lafitte i can't forget lafever you know up there uh where was that erie yeah yeah it's all been all over the place so it's, it's not a fur i think it's awesome i think it's really cool <laughs> Uh, I know I know Carl's had the the Hobie logo on his jersey for a while. He's been partnering up with them. He's been around and involved in kayak fishing for for a number of years. This is just his first kayak. I'm shocked tournament. that it's his first one, honestly. Yeah. I mean, he he spends a good bit of time uh playing around on the on the Hobies. Yeah, yeah. So if you if matter of fact, a few years ago, if you'd had to like make bets on who was gonna be the first one to cross over, a lot of people might have sent him. You know, so it's yep. it's about time. It's about time. It We're gonna talk to him about that uh you know we're still sort of in the off season but not for long we're jumping straight into the bos event this week you going down there ryan i am not i'm going uh i got a little engagement uh in texas this week and then we have a volleyball tournament this weekend so i'm not gonna make that one okay well there's other events that, that have been going on down in the south of course southeast and then the, the national series if you will kicks off this week with with uh, Harris it's chain up to like, it was at like 140 yesterday when I look yeah. at it, it's, it's almost doubled, uh, numbers in the last week. So I think it'll probably, you know, get up there in that one, 170, 180 mark is what yeah. it's looking like. And registration is still open until Friday. I think they're doing like the extra fee or whatever, like a late registration fee, but you can still get in up until Friday. Yep. So there you go. They've changed that a little bit from last year. It wasn't such a hard cutoff early in the, in the weeks. So you can get in, slide in there. I saw Kyron Benetti's coming out of retirement. Big time. Yeah, man, I, honestly, that's, that's the, the part that I hate most about missing that event is <laughs> we had a ball at you follow. I would love to love to catch up with Conrad again. Hopefully he does well. Those Florida fish, I have to think that, uh, you know, he's going to feel pretty comfortable going into that one. Yeah. All right. So we're going to do a giveaway tonight. We're going to get into our sponsors. We're not going to make Carl wait very long. We're going to do a giveaway tonight before we get into all of our sponsors. If you notice, 
I made a I made a little announcement on the group page before we went live, Ryan, and I've got the old Western Sun hat back on. The very first supporter of this podcast ever, ever when we when we really sort of got serious about this was Western Sun. Have we gotten uh, serious about this? Well, you know, sort of serious okay, about it. Okay. All Western right. Sun came on board. They we we were so glad to have them as a partner when we first got going with this really a few years ago. The pandemic threw everybody out of whack uh from a budget standpoint, from a marketing standpoint. Uh and we had to to part ways with them uh for about That's, a year now. Stayed in contact with them. Stayed I mean, in they, contact. You know, they yeah. were they were missing missing the the KBN love and we're yeah. glad to have them back on. We got it back on track in 2024 so welcome home western sun and and that's a lesson in not burning bridges we Mm -hmm. we we love those guys we we kept in contact kept the lines of communication open and when the when the opportunity came back boom they're back so western sun's back with us we're so happy about that thing um and of course the show is presented by eco fishing shop ecofishingshop.com a lot of chatter on the page this week about new rigs yeah looking for different parts and rig out things get with eco call over there they can walk you through rigging your boat they can ship you a boat whatever you need at eco fishing shop. And I'm sure we're going to start hearing some things about the fall big bass 250. I don't have a hard date for that yet. I haven't seen it, but when that starts up, we'll get Travis on to talk about that too. And then uh pro guide lithium. I saw some battery chatter on the page this week too. Yep. Uh, Everybody's people- getting rigged up, man. Everybody's yeah. looking for these accessories, looking for the right battery to go with. And of course you get a discount um, using the KBN code. So that's right. That's help right. You out there. Yeah. Uh, we've got our giveaway partners tonight. We're going to do some glasses, man. We're back on them glasses. So let's throw that Revo logo up. We're going to do some Revos tonight to get involved with the Revo giveaway. All you got to do, if you've been around here before, is hit like and share on Facebook, like and comment everywhere else, and we'll pick a winner at the end of the show. So do your thing. Yep. KB enters. And our partners, Gill Fishing, as well as Seagar Line and Z-Man. Glad yeah. to have them on board. There we go. All right, let's get Carl in here. He's been waiting long enough. Uh, let me see if I can remember how to switch this. I forget every week, Ryan. Here we are. There he is. All right. Live from the garage. Yep. Hey, boys. And himself. <laughs> hey, y'all. Yeah, everyone is typing in their Australian accents tonight, so you've, you've really inspired the, the nation here. Nice. <laughs> It'd be some bad ones, I bet. Bad accents. <laughs> I'm sure. Are you distantly related to the late, great Steve Irwin at all? um i'm not i'm not but uh i used to sell fish and tackle to his dad Um, i've I've had a few close calls with steve but i actually never ever got to meet him but uh, i knew his dad pretty well his dad was a um a really keen barra fisherman and the tackle store i used to work at he used to come in there and i used to sort him out with all his all his gear that's That's awesome legend yeah he's a champion he was the real deal I want to start off. How did you get into bass fishing? Did you, I mean, what's the, the fishing landscape in Australia? I know we went to Hobie worlds and I met a lot of the Australian team guys and they're mainly brim fishing, correct? Yeah. Sort of the, the short of it would be, we, uh, we don't have like that one species, like what America has with a large mouth or a, or a bass, like a bass, large mouth, small mouth, spotted bass. Aussies are, a lot more um versatile as far as like we just fish for like everything i guess and uh we everything's within three hours of inland so a lot of the lakes and stuff freshwater lakes and rivers aren't that far off the coast and so a lot of people will just go from fishing for brim in the salt water and then they'll go inland and fish for murray cod our australian bass um all sorts of like inland species so 
people just tend to be a little bit more open to just fishing everything. We have a few iconic species, but everything is like isolators, like barramundi in the north, Murray cod in this midsection, bream on the coast. It's, it's sort of a, just a bit different like that. We just had a question. Uh, what was your biggest uh, barramundi? My biggest bar is 120, a metre 20 long. So um, I don't know, probably about 60 pounds, 70 pounds probably. That seems large. <laughs> And they're really aggressive fish, right? Like big, big strikes and stuff. Yeah, like a in they're a cross, but I'd say they're a cross between a snook and a tarpon, and um, and they so they jump, violent bites, and yeah, they they live in freshwater impoundments like landlocked, and they also live they they are native in saltwater, and and so they we they build these dams and they release bar in there and they just get giant because all they do is eat and they don't have any predators so they get huge in like these big landlocked lakes that's awesome i was hoping that's where hobie worlds would be was australia that's on the, yeah. on the bucket list of places a giant bar on a hobie would be pretty would be yeah. pretty cool be i happy. went and filmed a couple guys um on the, they're actually hobie team guys uh matthew van and brandon barton tarpon fishing in pensacola and they were catching oh, yeah. like 120 pound Gone. tarpon out of the hobies it was yeah. insane i want to do that that's on the bucket list for sure get with those guys and they'll, they'll take care of you for sure yeah i know brandon that brandon barton you said yeah he's he's invited me down there a handful of times you, that's to you need to go that. with him you yeah he's the man Ryan, we got the Twitchers showing up. The Twitchers are in the comments. We appreciate Thank it. Thank goodness. Carl, do you know what Twitch is? We just learned about it. Not yeah, we're, yeah, fine. <laughs> we're not I'm well not or anything, but <laughs> it's for the kids. It's for the kids yeah. over there. No. Awesome. Uh, we've got some questions piling up. I've got a list of stuff we want to ask you. And, and like Ryan said, I know it's a. I've heard your story on other podcasts, of course, talking about coming from Australia and, and, and chasing your dream over here. We don't yep. have to get into all that, but yep. how long have you been? I know you've had Hobie on your jersey for a while. So how long have you been in a kayak, kayak fishing? Because I know you're not just some guy that's sponsored by a kayak company. You actually kayak fish. You mess with the kayaks. So talk about that. Um, yeah, so I grew up. Uh, I started like any other kid, you know, started off the bank and fishing with bait and trying to, uh, you know, just loved fishing. That was my passion. And then I worked my way into, you know, I couldn't believe it when I – was got to be in a kayak you know that was like the next level and just taking those steps but in australia we just always loved to kayak fish and uh and so we'd always go out to these rivers and just like you'd drop one vehicle off and and drop another one off and then come back and you would like kayak the entire river catching murray cod and i just loved it but i had Steve Fields was really like people don't know, but he's been one of like the biggest, one of my biggest uh, supporters from when I very first was thinking about coming over here. And one of the guys that really got me over the line and one of my first like real paying sponsors that said like, Hey, we want to get behind you and support you when uh, I was struggling to make it here in sort of 2009, 2010. And he has backed me solid ever, ever since. And he had, he, he had, a lot of people giving him hell about it because they were like, why is, why is this kayak company sponsoring a, a professional, like a bass, you know, a bass person um, that's in a boat. And, and Steve had that vision of like, we want to show that like everyone loves to fish out of a Hobie. And he knew I had the passion for kayak fishing and knew I'd fished out of a Hobie. And now it's like a mainstream thing. All the, all the kayak companies, they end up sponsoring an elite series angler and an open angler. But uh, it's really started with Steve uh, way back then, and they've just 
gotten behind me uh, ever since. Um, but it was never about jumping in the tournaments. Like I have, I'm super competitive. I love the competitive to compete on the elite series. That's what I'm all about. But when we compete so hard and for so long, when I'd finish, I sort of, my hobby was my thing that I would take to a lake or a river and get away from all the boats and away from everyone and be able to go and fish uh, for some unpressured fish in a cool location. So I always used it um, for that instead of competing. But it was always in the back of my mind, like, I, I wonder if I can do this. And I've always wanted to. And uh, and then it's I, I just never did. I just fish. I've fished out of my outback for years. I had a compass. Like, I just had a little – we had – I travelled since 2015. We've always had a Hobie on the roof of our Lance camper. I've always had it on the top of the truck. It's never left us. We've had two blow-up. Um, we always had, like, the inflatable SUPs or we've got the I-11S and we'd take them and me and Kayla always after or before the tournament would be pumping them up and going fishing somewhere where we were about to compete. So it was always about that. Um, but to jumping into a tournament, it really sparked me going to the Hobie Championships here on Chickamauga um, just at the end of last year. And I got to go to the presentation after the event and I actually took Mike out, um, one of the owners of Hobie, and we just took my boat out and we went and saw a lot of the anglers competing and we pulled up and talked to them and everyone was just super cool. And then we went to the presentation and I got to just be a part of it and give prizes out and, and some of the trophies and shake some of the guys' hands. And the passion that that they had and the emotions of the, the, the kid that won and all the support that they had and the way they spoke about fishing and they were teaching each like – they were telling everyone what they caught them on, it reminded me of how it used to be in Australia and it – it, act, it really got me fired up and that was my decision of like, hey, I want to be a part of this and I, I made it that night. I'm like, I'm 100%. I want to fish at least one and I want to fish as many as I can to get to the championship. And I talked to Steve and now we're about to jump in my first one next week. <laughs> How excited are you about that? You you have some experience on the Harris chain, yeah? So you're not you're not going in completely blind on the body of water. Or bodies yeah. of water in in that case. Yeah, I've fished Harris Chain a bunch. It's it's a great fishery. I love it, but it's a different story being in a in a Hobie. Like I've never even gone and like launched it. I, I've always just had it on my like I haven't <laughs> done it where I'm like going and I'm like constantly uh, putting it on the truck or on the trailer in and out and fishing all day and like actually trying to like find the you know the winning the winning fish and. I don't have a trolling motor, so it's pedal only. I didn't end up getting a trolling motor on there. So it's pretty – It's my, my PA is super dialed in, but I, I, I wouldn't say I'm nervous. I'd say I'm just excited. I'm ex it's, I always like to, like, push myself in any direction where I feel uncomfortable, and I don't feel comfortable doing what I'm about to do <laughs> because I've never, I've never dove right into it, and I know how good these guys are. I know how different it is. You can't just pick the trolling motor up and run – 30 like and i'm a bit like that i just pick my my troll motor up and go to a different lake on harris chain where i'm gonna have to really uh think about it a lot and and then to throw a few things in the works is there's an off limits of information for hobie for the hobie work 
tournament and I'm on off limits for Harris Chain for the elite event. So I can't speak to anyone. Like it's just going to be me <laughs> in my kayak and, and going fishing. And, and I'm kind of, I'm excited about that too. So y'all don't be talking to Carl when he's down there. Now. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> I feel bad because it's a lot of people don't know about that. And it's, it's a tough one because people like fishermen love talking about fishing. And it's one of those things where I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to constantly say, sorry, I, you know, I can't be talking about fishing. And, and what are the off limits rules on the elite series? Just so people know, you know, kind of what so on the, on, on the elite series, the second, um, the second, the schedule comes out is zero information on anything of, from anyone outside the tournament. So I can talk awesome. to um, elite series anglers like, that I work with, but no one else. So as soon as it's on the schedule, that's it. And so from whenever October or whenever the schedule come out, I can't talk to anyone about any single uh, fishery on that elite schedule. And what's the cutoff for practice on the elite? Like, you know, the the kayak series now not conflicting, I guess is what I'm saying with the, with the elite off limits. Yep. Um, so we can go to the lake up to a month from the tournament. And so, uh, and then the classic though, the classics in March and the classic has a cutoff of the first of January and they've had that all the time. So, uh, I drove across to Oklahoma and pre-practice that in no, the end of November. And then the cutoff is on January. So there's like a, basically a three month total cutoff of the classic. I like it. Yeah. Got some good questions coming in. We'll save a lot of those and get to them at the end of the end of the, uh, stream here somebody asked earlier how long were you fishing in Oklahoma? they i guess they saw you over there or saw your truck or something they said how long were you oh, fishing yeah, yeah i was there for a week um but it kind of sucked it was like basically snowing and blowing 25 miles an hour every day and i actually lived in tulsa for almost three years and so um it was uh i know grand well it's actually where i cut my teeth on bass fishing it's where i learned um most of the um most of my stuff about bass fishing so it's pretty cool that it's it's come back there but i wanted now, to go on the, now you're a tennessee life. river boy you're you're right here uh, right up the road on chickamauga there yep yeah in 2019 we uh we bought this place that we're in now and uh and and moved to just outside of chattanooga on on chickamauga pretty much on chickamauga and we've been here ever since then how do you like the tennessee river compared to some of the other fisheries that you fish around the country I love it. You know, as was one of the main reasons that we moved here is just the versatility of uh, Tennessee. You can just, you, you can do so much. They have smallmouth, largemouth, spotted bass, uh, highland reservoirs, clear water. They have rivers. You've got the, you can fish the, the flows of the dams, the backs of the dams. Like you can literally learn everything within two hours of where we are right now. And I think that's why you see so many good fishermen come from this area like the andy morgans and the wesleys and all of the you know you see wheeler moved here a bunch of the anglers have moved here because you can just constantly get um dialed in on but so many different another yep. another hammer you see all the time yeah yep. they're every they're everywhere that's cool it's a good spot so i know you said you've never fished a kayak tournament yet what kind of prep have you done? Because every pro that we've had, boat pro that's made the crossover, we've asked them, hey, have you practiced taking pictures in the kayak, using the board, doing all that kind of stuff? Because there's a there's a science to that as well, a little art to that as well. Have you done any of that yet? 
a little bit, a little bit. So where I live, there's like a 30-acre lake just behind here. And so I go down there and, I, and I've fished out of it. I've really only just got my PA dialed in uh, towards the end of the season. So through basically this back end of the season, I've been fishing out of quite a bit. But like tournament-wise, taking the pictures, I've got the board and I've, I've got it all ready to go. But like I haven't really done that much. So it's going to be... It's going to be a big learning curve and I'm going to have three full days of practice. So I'm going to really try and, you know, do a lot of that during practice too, just to make sure I'm dialed in. But yeah, it's going to be one of those things if it can go wrong, probably will on this style when you're just like dipping your toes into something you've never done. But um, that's what I kind of like about it. It's going to be fun. You'll be fine in that PA. Yeah. It's it's plenty wide enough. You can lay the board down in the floor and you don't yep. have as much to worry about with the fish flopping off the board. That's one of yeah. the most heartbreaking things in a kayak tournament. You get a big one on the board and just watch it go right over the rail. <laughs> that would suck. <laughs> you're not it a does. true kayak angler. Will. Yeah, you're not a true kayak tournament angler until that happens and or you lose something in the water. Like yeah. drop your phone. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. another thing yeah. is be careful. Don't drop your phone. phone. <laughs> Don't drop your phone. <laughs> like that's yeah, uh, that that's could be bad. I've already lost accidents. I have lost my phone once out of my hobie. So let's hope that's the only one. <laughs> Uh, use a, use a net. Don't boat flip. That was another yeah. helpful, helpful piece of information that we had pop up there. <laughs> I've got the net. I've got, I think I've got everything. I feel pretty good, but you know, I'm sure there's going to be something, but, uh, I'd actually just put it on the roof of my tundra. And so we're heading down there tomorrow and I hadn't, I've been putting the links up there and I'm like, ah, oh, it'll be pretty similar. But the, the pro angler 14 is a lot bigger than the links. And I'm oh, like, yeah. Oh, this is a bit more of a, a deal. Oh, so you're, you're car topping the PA. Yeah, I am. But now I'm, I'm calling into the dugout in the morning and we're dialing a couple more things in on the boat. I have to get a new GPS puck put on and, uh, and I, and I, I think they're going to loan me a little trailer, so I'm going to put it on a trailer. Yeah, and there you go. Yeah. That's smart. You'll you'll bring your back trying to do that too many yeah. times. Uh, Ewing yeah. Miner, who dominated the Hobie Series last year, uh, he car topped or Tahoe topped his PA for years, and it was yeah. like it hurt me watching because Ewing's yeah. like maybe 150 pounds soaking wet, throwing this yeah. you know huge kayak up on top of a Tahoe. That's cool. Yeah, his dad's in the comments. The kid could give you a few pointers. He could. <laughs> he could. I never he understood how he got He also won Harris Chain last year. So hey, there you go. Go into it without that knowledge. You and <laughs> I might buddy, just he, keep it on the roof then. <laughs> buddy, he smashed him down there last year. Uh, that's awesome. Sure enough. Uh, Ryan, you want to get some of these questions, man? Yeah, let's do we it. Gotta, they're starring up. They're stacking up on us. So we, I'm we trying to pay it. attention. I'm trying. Yeah. I'm, on, I'm on my game tonight, Jeff. Uh, well, well, this you already answered this one, but I'll throw it up anyway. Ryan Van Tine, do you have a motor on your kayak? They're the standard these days. It's more of a comment and a question. Yeah. But you said you don't have a trolling motor. Have you thought about putting an electric outboard or a or a yeah. mount or anything? You know, Minn Kota has been a huge sponsor of mine for forever, my whole career. So I want to put a Minn Kota on there. And uh, it's just there's not that many people that put like a full bow man. It's not there's not that much info out there on it. And so um, I, I'd been going back and forward with Minn Kota and Hobie and trying to get it done. And then uh, you have to get like your Hobie registered and everything in, mm -hmm. in Florida and sort of just pushing it back late. That was like the final thing for me. I was like, I don't want to get too can too much stuff going on my first guy. I'll just I've got my I've got two you know, two hummingbirds on there and I'll just stick with that. Keep it simple. And, uh, 
I'll, my legs will be strong by the end of it. It'll be good work. I don't want to get too much going. I've got seven graphs <laughs> yeah. on there, so I should be fine. <laughs> yeah, got, yeah, exactly. You know what's funny, Ryan, is it seems like two's, two's becoming now two's, the standard. Yeah, two's standard. I'm still sticking it? to one, man. I, 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 I hate. I hate just staring at a screen all day anyway, but I finally upgraded to a 12 inch screen this year just to nice. make it. I, I keep mine up like in front of my feet. So it makes yep. it a little bit easier to see. I had a nine inch graph last year and it just, it was, it was a little too small for what oh, I was yeah. looking for. Yep. Yeah. It's a fine line between everything, but like I actually, like I enjoy the technology. I enjoy everything. Like I don't, people always box everyone into, well, you're doing this or you're doing that, too much electronics and not enough of this. I do it all. I walk down here, I put a backpack on, I'll fish in a boat with five graphs on and use live forward face and sonar and then I'll fish out of my links with absolutely nothing on it. It's, I like fishing and I like all aspects of it. You don't have to be like, I'm just a purist at just this or I, I'm really good with my electronics. That's the only way I like to fish. I like fishing in every right. different way. <laughs> On the competitive side, though, forward-facing sonar has played such a huge role in the success in these tournaments, and, and even on the kayak side. Like, like I said, yeah. Ewing dominated uh, most of the series last year utilizing yeah. forward-facing sonar. So even on our side that, you know, it started off, like you said, just a simple throw-and-go type deal. Now kayak fishing has advanced to multiple screens, motors, you know, the whole nine yards. It's, it's getting to the point that it's, it's like a mini bass boat now. Yeah, I know. That's what I, I tell people. My PA is like my bass boat in a <laughs> in a kayak. It's I've got I've got it all there, but I've actually really enjoyed it because I put it on this lake here, and I used to just fish and not really know what was there. And like now, I'm learning a ton about this lake that I'm on, of like how they hang out, what what's down there. What you know, I'm, I'm, it's one of the best learning tools. Uh, but it would just, it will be a big phase where, you know, it's super dominant, but it won't always be, it'll, it'll, it'll wean off and there'll be the next thing that will come through. That's just how it is. But, you know, I like, I like seeing technology do what it's doing and it's getting people that might not have got into fishing, getting him into fishing and, you know, and it's getting people that have struggled to catch fish, to be catching fish and enjoying the water. So I think, I think it's a good thing. Are you using uh, Mega Live or Mega 360 or both? Is I got both. So for my, down in Florida, I can tell you I've caught more bass off Mega 360 than any other, um, uh, you know, any other, any other bit of technology by far. And what's so, the main advantage to that uh, for the people listening? So you know, I, I outfished several people last year in several different areas. Um, that they had live and I had live, but I had 360 and they didn't. This happened in, in a bunch of tournaments. And 360 is giving you this perfect layout of the bottom. And so although live's giving you that slice and you're seeing the fish and the move and the brush pile, getting an overview look of like, a, say you've got a, um, say you've got an eelgrass patch and it's 10 by 10, on the back side of it, there might be a little four foot edge that has bluegill beds just running off the back side of it. Live doesn't show you that. And so you can work your way around and know that like on that back side, I keep getting bit. And the reason is there's a bluegill beds just coming off, or there's like a little breakout patch of eelgrass. You're actually seeing like the overview layout and you know, you can almost catch the same fish that you are with live. You're just being, 
even more efficient again when you bring live into it. But for me, I can do about everything I can with 360. I just can't quite stop the bait and work and see that reaction of the fish, yeah. like you're taking it to the next level. But you're still so efficient just with 360. Uh, one thing I saw fishing on boats with 360 is like the ability to see like rock piles and stumps and, and that kind of, you know, not necessarily the fish themselves, obviously, yep. but, you know, kind of the things that they would position around. I feel like you're a lot more accurate when you're breaking down an area with that that technology 100 and you don't have to have your eyes locked on it all the time like you do with live like if i was going down a bank i can't tell you how many this is what brandon taught me back in the way back when he was sort of using 360 before anyone else seeing because he saw the advantages of it but i'd be going down the bank fishing you know just regular structure and then a glance down at 360 there's a stump or a lay down behind me out to the right and make a cast and there's been five boats go down that bank but no one threw it that one stick or that one little rock pile or a boulder that was out in the open water and you catch a five pounder that's happened hundreds of times to me through an elite series event like that's where that's where it's big it's just constantly showing you that layout and like where to throw you actually had one of our, our founders of this podcast, Shane Williams. He was your marshal on Chickamauga when you went out with a glide bait and just wrecked them. Oh, uh, yeah. And that was awesome, awesome to watch. And the areas right. that you were fishing were, you know, uh, pretty yeah. familiar to us from, <laughs> from fishing them in kayak tournaments. So it was, yep. it was cool having him be a part of that. That was a that was an epic day, but I think I caught twenty five pounds. Watched every one of them eat out of laydowns. He was he was losing it. So was I. It was fun. Oh yeah, he was Texas. He's like, you are not gonna believe this. <laughs> you know, we're watching it live. Like while it's happening, I'm yeah. like, this is, this is awesome. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. The, this question has been asked twice, Carl. I'll put both comments up here. It's basically asking, how are you going to translate your gear? from your boat over to the kayak how are you going to consolidate all that luke and michael asked the same question it's definitely been a battle because like my boat gets loaded down with everything um so i've gotten like two of those tackle boxes that are in between your feet and i've just put all my essentials in that just the stuff that like i know like i'm always gonna like want and need and then i've got a tackle bag and I've got like two boxes in there, like 3,600s. And then I've got like packs of plastics. But I've literally just got everything that I've ever caught a bass on and Harris Shane in, in this one bag. And uh, and then the back, you know, my my Tundra is is pretty loaded down. So I've got something to come back with. But it's um that's been tough for me because I like having like everything. I've always had everything at, at your hands, you know, in your boat. So I've got to refine it down and and uh, just work around it. But I think I've done a pretty good job. But I've we've been snowed in here, so I've been literally in this shop for like eight <laughs> days straight. I haven't left. Today was the first day I left. So this shop is like spotless. Everything's clean. My tackle's organized. The, my Hobie's dialed in. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. I just got to get on the water now. Do you have underseat storage uh, on the Hobie that you've, that you've put in there yet? No, it's just so open. while you're at the dugout, pick up a, a one objective under seat story and it'll let you okay. put like six 3,600 boxes right underneath Ooh. your seat. So it's super easy okay. to get to. That's pro Yep. Oh, I needed that. <laughs> yep. That's, uh, that's, that's definitely happened. That's why I wanted to stop in at the dugout on my way down. Cause I knew that they rigged my entire kayak. 
Um, but they, I don't know if they knew back then I was going to fish tournaments. So it'll be good to go through there now that I've like figured a few things out and be like, all right, I need this, this, and this. Are you running a tackle crate, like a Hobie H crate or uh, yeah. a Yak backpack or something? Okay. Yeah, I got the H crate. It's got my, it's got the batteries in it right now, but um, we've sort of got a, like a little shelf in there and then my tackle bag and I can actually fit 3,600s in that too. So I yeah. can lean behind and grab them. And then uh, I just want to, I want to get a bit better GoPro sort of set up so I can film sort of from behind rather than I've been clamping it looking sort of straightforward, but you can't really tell that like, you're in a kite, like you can't sort of see exactly what you're doing from that Pick angle. Pick up a uh, Yak Attack boomstick while you're down there. It's a, like, I think yeah, it's like 30, 36 inches or something, but it, it gives you yeah. a really high vantage point back there that you can, you can catch everything. Nice. Sweet. A lot of good comments and questions coming in. Uh, let's pick another one from, we'll, we'll go to, uh, YouTube, Ethan Robertson on YouTube. What are your goals for kayak fishing this season? And that, and that goes with another one. I'll try to find that question too. Basically, what are your plans as far as how many events you're going to fish? Yeah. What are your goals for each event, et cetera? I, I want to make, I want to make the, you know, the Hobie championship. That's kind of like the ultimate goal, but for this one, I don't have any, you know, huge expectations at all. I, I really just want to experience it. I'm, I, I don't want to put any pressure like I'm going to compete. I know how good all these people are, like anglers and like and Christine and all of them, they're, they're hammers and it's just it's I'm going into a whole different new world that just because you can catch them in a boat, it's it's different again out of the kayak and it's going to take a lot for me to adjust because – one bad decision, and now I'm on a lake that's not firing in a spot, and I've and and you just can't pick up and run. So they're all uh, they're all the lessons I'm kind of excited to learn. But um, my my goal is to be competitive and possibly make the championship. I'd love to make the Hobie Worlds. Like I want to have a real go. It's not going to just be a one off thing. The toughest part is the Elite Series, uh, you know, schedule lays over a lot of stuff and sometimes i'm in texas and then the hobie events in new york and and i'm just not able to make that drive so whichever ones line up i'm going to try and do and uh, i'll try and jump in possibly a couple Bassmaster ones as well if they fit and uh and see what happens but it's not going to be just a one-off thing uh luke arian <laughs> says he made a comment you'd be the first pro angler to fish the toc you know ike's made he made a run mm. at it but he didn't quite make the toc so you'd be the first one to cross over and actually make it to the tournament of champions. That'd be cool. Yeah, that would be that. That definitely would be. That's definitely the goal. Like just like I said, being at the TIC last year, I was just like, this is the coolest thing ever. I I really got fired up from it, and it gave me a lot of a uh, lot of motivation, a lot of inspiration to to want to do it because. You know, just at, at the Elite Series level, it is still the same, and I'm always fighting for it. Like I'm friends with Brandon and Gussie and Swindle and Josh, a bunch of guys, and we've got I had I have a good group of guys that you can really talk fishing to, and and that you want the best for, and you'll help and you'll share techniques. But at the end of the day, too, like everyone's trying to feed their families doing this. It's like high stakes. You know, you can I've gone broke. I've gone. I've, I've gotten into debt because of this sport and tried to fight my way out of it. It's brutal. It's a savage sport. So, like, to take it back a step and be, like, still have the competitiveness and still be able to, like, show how, how you know, show how good you are in, in your chosen field but not have it so, like, almost cutthroat to see. In Australia, the um, I grew up 10 years competing there and the motto 
that we ran by through the tournament was who shares wins. And I always just lived by that. Like when I was in my boat, people would come up and I'd be rigging tackle and I'd show them what I was going to use the next day. Like I was like, I think they're doing this. And it was just regular anglers. I wanted to see them catch fish and do well and get excited about tournament fishing. And I saw a really good glimpse of that at the TOC. Uh, I could see that the anglers had had that passion to share and get excited about what they'd found and what they'd figured out. Yeah, I think some people do that via Bluetooth, don't they, Ryan? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's on you, Jeff. <laughs> no, Put I'm that on kidding. your tab. No. <laughs> no, and we've seen kind of a, a revolution on the, the communication and, and info sharing side during the tournaments, especially now. You know, rules being put in place, so it's it's less team fishing during the actual event and more, yeah, you know, more one-on-one yep. type stuff. Yeah, I just I, – I know what they want to do there, and – I think that's that's good too. Like I think no electronics for sure. Like, you know, back and forward. I think that's a great idea. But yeah, but I think, uh, and even through the tournament, it was just after the tournament, everyone seemed to be more willing to talk about it. Um, it, it, it the tournament was done, um, and so. But like, yeah, I know I saw that they'd put that rule in there. And I think if you have someone fishing around you, you probably should be able to talk. Like I like that about the elite exactly. series. Like a guy comes in and I know him and he's let me in before or, or it's Brandon has saved my butt. I've tried to help him on the water during that day. I think you should be able to, you should be able to do that. You should have that. MLF tried to stop that a few years ago and the guys hated it because they were going back to their hotels and that they you, you want to talk fishing and you can't. Yeah. To it makes anybody. everything awkward and uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. You, you don't yeah. know what you can say, what you can do. Yeah. We had yeah. we had guys in the kayak series last year. They were afraid to say a word to anybody on the water. At first. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of got, I mean, it went overboard a little bit initially and you felt like, you know, you're fishing in the same area as somebody and you see somebody else struggling or whatever. Like, especially, yeah. you know, kayak fishing is like an entry level type deal for a lot of people right like yep. this isn't the elite series this isn't anyone's yep. job these are people that have traveled across the country and you see somebody that's having a hard time you want to be able to tell them like hey man like throw a white jackhammer like yeah <laughs> you know? yeah you don't want to lose that part of fishing uh for me i think you you know i i you got to have those certain rules in there to stop you know people pushing the pushing the limits i guess um but on the water and being able to help someone catch a fish and you got to realize like there's going to be someone that's jumping in their very first tournament uh on a hobie and they're just going to be stoked if they get to measure one and 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 like put you. it in yeah exactly <laughs> i'm going to be the first one i'm measure i'm going to be i'm going to be happy <laughs> um but uh but then and then and then you want to feed the people that want to like perform at the highest level and they want to win and and that's great too you just it's it is hard to cater for everyone, but you don't want to put too many rules in there where you 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 start not to talk about fishing at all. Yeah, and and the growth of this sport has been huge, but it's not yeah. at that you know professional level yet to where you know a lot of people are are able to make a living doing it. So I think you have to take all that into account as you try to find that balance somewhere you know yeah. between the two. There's always a good balance. It's just sometimes it goes one way and then they bring it back and it'll go and then it'll find a spot. And you're like, yep, this is where it's, this is the sweet spot. So it, there's been about, I don't know how many now questions about 10 killer Carl. There's been a bunch to come in. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you know this, but the Bassmaster kayak championship is on 10 killer this year. 
in, at okay. the same the same week as the classic. It's going to be down on Ten Killer. Uh, okay. A few days oh, before cool. the classic. The week, the oh, week wow. before the classic, I guess. No. Uh, so there's a lot of people asking about it. Number one, someone asked, how big, what did that win mean on Ten Killer to your career? How important was that to your career? Because a lot of people know you from that event. That was the first big, yeah. you know, the blue trophy. So what that mean to your career? And can you give anybody any uh, idea of what they can expect at Ten Killer? They've asked it a bunch here. So uh, the reason I'm sitting in this shop, the reason I'm still fishing, the reason uh, <laughs> about everything in, to do with my career uh, is because of Ten Keller. It, it changed our lives uh, in, in so many ways, in so many different ways, not only just financially, but just it. I just I, I wish every person that ever chased after something and got denied and denied over years and and over their whole life got to feel what that felt like for me because it was uh i hate to say it was everything but that's that's what it was i'd been fighting for that for almost 10 years here and uh i'd just run into so many brick walls and so many different uh, avenues you just it's one of those things where you start to wonder whether whether it's ever going to happen and uh, when it happened I mean everything just took off and it gave me that break of like I knew I could do it I knew it could be done um, it just it answered so many questions for me that I, I had wondered and it, the only reason it happened is because I just refused to quit and uh, and and another reason it happened is because I had finally let go of like Mate, wanting it so bad that it was the be all end all at the end of that year i was like i can't try any harder i can't do anymore i'm i'm at my ends and if that's still not enough then i don't know what to do i just want to enjoy fishing and i just went out and i fished and that happened and uh it just it showed a lot to me but we this this place this shop that I'm in right now, it's the dream. It's our dream spot. It's we found it, and we we couldn't buy it. We were, we didn't have enough money. I couldn't get a deposit, and we actually I'd put money down, and we had to get the money back off the guy the week before I was about to fish ten killer, and uh, and I won. And on Monday morning, we rang him and said, <laughs> "We got the money," and, uh, and I'm back, and, baby. <laughs> yeah, and so ten killer was one of the most special weeks of my bass fishing career that I could ever imagine the feeling of catching that final smallmouth and knowing that I did it or something I'll never ever forget and the people and my family and all the just everything about it was was incredible and yeah I, I can't say enough and if you're chasing a dream I hope you get to experience that one day speaking about that you know that that pressure that you feel how important is it to go in with a clear mind and just, you know, try to get as much of that off of you going into tournament day. Cause I, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, especially decision-making, a lot of the fishing part is mental. Like if you go yep. in stressed out and, you know, kind of in a bind, you're probably not going to do very well. So how, you know, how important is that? And what tips do you have, uh, you know, for folks to kind of relax a little bit and, and just get out and have fun? Yeah, hundred percent. It's it's everything. It's huge. I don't care how good a fisherman you are. Like if you're not good mentally, um, it's just not going to happen out there for you. You have to be clear mind. Fishing's a beautiful natural uh, thing that you you go out and you have to like read the water and read the wind and what this is doing. And if if your your mind is 
is uh, on something else. It's just not going to happen. Even if it's thinking negative thoughts, you know, I, I struggled for so long because I got, I literally got warped so bad here that it became uh, like, here it is again, you know, like, yep, another round, round 20, like I'm getting warped again. And uh, you, when you start to think like that, that's going to happen. Like hundred percent. That's what I have. It's confidence is so much in bass fishing and confidence comes from, um, it comes from literally being confident of what you're doing. So you're going to have to spend that time studying, being on the water, doing the things so you can have that confidence. You can't just go out hoping. Um, you should be doing enough work to where you actually get the confidence to be like, I know what I'm doing here. And, uh, and that helps a lot. So being prepared, doing your study, getting on the water and doing all the things leading up, not just hoping that it's your turn and hoping that it happens. I, I dream <laughs> with my feet running 100 miles an hour. I don't dream when I sleep. I'm running as fast as I can after that. And that's what you got to do. And then you'll find yourself when you're there, you're not uncomfortable in that scenario. You're relaxed. And uh, it's, it's something that can't be – I don't think I can tell you, like, oh, go and do this. You have to, you have to learn it. You have to do it. You, know, you have to do the work so you can then have a clear mind while you're fishing. And so all of that comes from time on the water, doing all of the things that you have to do that you know you have to do. You can't just wing it. You have to do all the, all the pre-set things. And I'd done that and year after year after year, and it's not working, but I'm chipping away at it. Like a great quote I just learned the other day was like this, like a, a mum was trying to open up a jar and she couldn't open it. She gave it to her son. He tried to open the jar, couldn't open it, gave it to the next person, that his older brother. He tried to open it, couldn't do it, went through four different guys. that had the dad trying to open this jar, couldn't open it, gave it back to the mum. She gave it one more try and it opened. And it's like none of those twists were wasted. All of those twists were building to the jar finally opening. So all of those days on the water, all of those setbacks, all of those kicks, kicks when you're down, all of the losses, they're not wasted. They're all building, building and building. You just can't, you just gotta keep twisting the jar. You can't stop. If you don't, if you stop, it's definitely not gonna open. And so that's a great like one to remember when you're out there and it's raining and you're getting whooped and you keep losing and it's year and it's happening. If you just keep doing it, that twist ends up, the cap comes off and then you win tin killer and your, your life takes a whole new direction <laughs> and your eyes open and you're like, that's what I was doing it for. And we, we've said this numerous times in the past, it, you know, it doesn't take anything to lose a tournament, but to win a tournament, to win a big tournament, everything has to go right. You know, one, yeah. one little mishap during that day could completely derail everything. You know, that's why people talk about preparation, re-spooling, re-tying, like try to eliminate as many variables as you can going into it because all it takes is that one thing and you're third instead of first. Yep. Yeah, taking the taking the things that like not worrying about the things you can't control. If you're casting out there and they're not biting and they're not you you can't do it. Like I tr the one thing I do at the end of the tournament, I just make sure I did everything I possibly can. And if I did that, how can you be upset? It's actually I used to get upset because I was like, I did everything and it wasn't enough. So I was getting upset. But now I don't get upset because I'm like, I did everything I could and it wasn't enough. So now I just got to go to the next one. And it, like, so, but if you're not doing all you could, you're not doing everything, then 
then you can be upset. You should be upset at yourself because you could have been like, I could have done that a little bit better. I could have tied that knot. I could have made a better decision. All of those losses to me are all the ones I look back on. I'm like, I should have, I stuck to my guns there and I should have moved. And I learned that for like the next time. And, uh, and, and so all of those hard ones are just, they're the lessons you're going to learn that are going to make you better in the, in the future tournament. A lot of great comments coming in about about your attitude, man. I love your attitude. Somebody said they're going to go back and listen to this and blast it day one of Ten Killer when they go out <laughs> of the championship. Nice. Yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, inspirational stuff. People we are excited. Had a comment: If I had that accent, I could talk the fish into biting. That's right. So sure that enough. probably helps. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Ten Killer is a cool fishery. The guys will really love it there. Um, it's it's extremely versatile. Great smallmouth, um, but. You know, the thing, this is another great one for everyone that, that's competing. This is what happened at Tinkiller. It was the last tournament of the year. I was not 80th in the points. I couldn't make the classic. I'm out of it. It's the very last one. And everyone else, when they went there, it was there was no info. No one knew about the lake. There was no tournament. Like, there was no preconceived anything. It was just we suddenly got put on Tinkiller. So, it worked up into my – it just played to my type, style of fishing too because it put everyone on a level playing field. But everyone, all the people that were on the Classic, they tried to play safe. And so there was a really good bank bite and the bushes had some water in it. And if you went down the bank, you got bites. And that sucked everyone in because they were trying to save what they had. They're trying to hang on to the last bit of thing. They're trying to stay inside the classic, trying to keep the points. So they played safe and I went out off the bank and I didn't get as many bites. There wasn't as many fish there, but when I got a bite, it was a big one. And so instead of me playing safe, I was just going for it. There is a such thing as like, I wasn't the swinging for the fences. Yeah. Everyone can do that. But like, I wasn't trying to hold on to this thing. That's a, that's, that's a bad tool or way to think because the more you try and hang on to something, the more it's going to get away from you. And the fact that I, I wasn't in that mindset of like, I need to stay inside the points. Uh, I was able to free my mind up and go out and look for something different. And here I am, the only boat out off the bank out of the hundred of the best anglers in the world, and I end up winning. That was such a cool – I live in Fayetteville, Arkansas, just about an hour and a half from Ten Killer. So it was so yeah. cool to see you out there doing what you were doing with that jig. I'll never forget watching it. That was, that was awesome to see. <laughs> that tree was – that tree was – that was something special. <laughs> a little bit of magic. Yeah. And that's what has to happen, to be honest, to win. You know, I've come second. Um, I've come top fives. I've been in the lead. And you just, you, you, you honestly, you can be as good as you want. In fishing, there's just all those variables where you have to have that little bit of magic. And when that magic happens, there's nothing you can do to stop it. Would you rather be in the lead going into the final day or like in the top five within striking distance? mentally there's definitely more pressure on you when you're in the lead you know i've been in the lead going into the final day and there's just way more pressure you you tend to feel a bit more relaxed if you're in third you're like oh i can just go and like have a go where you, again you're trying to hang on to it when you're in first and that's usually a bad way to go but honestly i just want to have a shot so if i'm in first give me first i'll take it all day and if i'm in if i'm in 10th um and it's the final day as long as i've got a shot oh, i'll take it making a top 10 on the elite series is just about as near impossible like so when you do it if when i top 10 i feel like i won 
So winning is like insane when it actually happens. Uh, we've got Daniel Perry asking, what do you think it will take to win slash cash a check at Harris Chain? Have you tried to do the conversion yet from weight to length? Like uh, no, nah. I, I wouldn't have a clue if I, if I have to do the length. I, I actually don't know. But like <laughs> if uh, in Florida, you can't ever do that anyway to win because like it could be 18 pounds could be solid. And the next day someone can catch 35 and especially the conditions we've got coming up. And uh, and yeah, it's been in the minuses here up here. We, I've been stuck in snow, so I'm going to be excited about some Florida weather tomorrow afternoon. So is my wife Kayla and River coming down. So we're making a trip of it, and we're, I'm going to soak in <laughs> the warm weather. But picking weights on a uh, on a Florida fishery like that is so hard because you can do it anywhere else, but in Florida, it's like it could. It could be 18 pounds and it can be 35 pounds on the same fishery. It's just 480 so centimeters. Is what yeah, in centimeters. <laughs> <laughs> don't forget. Don't forget. Yeah. Is your board, your board's in inches? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I've, I've converted every, I've, I'm more American now than Australian. I call pounds and, and, uh, and miles and Fahrenheit. You have cowboy boots yet. Yeah. No Fahrenheit. That's funny. Yeah, that's awesome. I had to learn everything from scratch. It was tough. Like just seeing temperature at 70 or 80, I was like, what is that? Like, is everyone dead? <laughs> I went to work in South Africa and I was like checking the weather or whatever. And I was like, that seems cold. And it was like 85 yeah. degrees. I was like, Shit. <laughs> all right, we're good. We probably don't need yeah. this sweater anymore. So that's me. Yeah. That's that's hilarious. Uh, let's see if we can get you rapid fire a few more of these questions for you. Uh, this is interesting. Jennifer Solberg, Solberg on Facebook. What does Carl listen to on the way to the lake? You listen to anything? Yeah, lots of podcasts. Um, I'm all about. I like being. You know, it'll either be fishing or uh, or like personal growth type stuff. So uh, I love learning, and I'll I always watch fishing stuff, just trying to get better and trying to learn. And so I watch either fishing podcasts um, or fishing you know, just technique people fishing where I'm heading to and, uh, or I'll be listening to some sort of, uh, some sort of personal growth podcast. Evan Morganson wants to know if you will do a shoey with him for a top 10 finish. If That's I win, I learned about at Hobie worlds. I had no idea what a shoey was. <laughs> I look out the window and Christine is drinking a beer from Jack Gammy's new tennis shoe, which was like probably yeah. four years old. <laughs> I was yeah. like, what is happening right now? That's an Aussie thing, but oh, <laughs> yeah. If I win the classic, maybe, but that's what okay. it's going to take. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, Casey Smith on Facebook, coming from a boat, how will your plan of attack change? Since you've already kind of mentioned this, since you yeah. just can't crank up and run to a different body of water quickly. Yeah, I'm just going to have to be more thorough. Like, I'm going to have to accept more what, uh, what's in front of me and not be like, oh, well, I'm just going to change. So I'm going to have to actually be more uh, open to figuring out a bite in that area and not being like, well, I'm just going to go and change. So that's going to be by far the most difficult thing for me, for sure. And Putting on that pedaling an hour and then being like, oh, this kind of sucks. And now what do you do? <laughs> well, and you need you need to know, and, and when you're pre-fishing and practicing, learn how long it takes you to, to yeah. load up and, you know, mm. get everything rigged to fish. Because you have, like... It's you know, gone. you don't want to wait to the last hour of the day and then you burn that hour trying to make <laughs> trying to make yep. that last minute move because you made a miscalculation on that. Yep. Yep. 
I'm going to be learning some things the hard way, but they're they're usually the things that teach you the best lessons. So <laughs> I'm That's excited. True. That's true. Uh, Chris Cabral has a couple questions on YouTube. Are you going to be able to bring your boat waypoints? I guess so. You can bring your boat yeah. waypoints over. Oh, yeah. onto I think your, so. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm probably not going. You know, I don't. I actually don't do a bunch of that because on Harris Chain, like I had a spot on Harris Chain a couple of years ago, and it was a it was a patch of eelgrass, and I fished in an open, and I caught a fish every single cast for three hours straight um, in the tournament. It was insane. My co-angler never caught a bass both days. I felt terrible, but I was like, it was this one clump, and I thought I could win there. And I'm like, dude, if you cast in there and catch a 10, like my whole tournament's ruined. And uh, and I had that. It was just something special. And, like, that grass and that thing's not there anymore. Like, it's just gone. So it, it, was, it was that one time I found that, like, this one insane spot, and it's not there anymore. So... Uh, down in those lakes where the grass dies and changes and they spray it, it's, it's you know, I just go off, I just go looking. Uh, this is a question from Josh Evans on Facebook. This is kind of an, are you a, this American question? Are you American enough that you play cornhole or pool? I guess pool is universal, but you play cornhole? I do when someone, yeah, when they get it out, I, <laughs> a, a family thing or something, then I'll have a go. But I, I'm a pretty decent pool player. If he's, that's what he's talking about, like tape, okay. like, yeah. Yes. So that's yeah. what we uh, Josh is in in part of my traveling circus when we go to these tournaments okay. and we always find like a smoky trashy pool hall yeah. or we play cornhole all night. One of the okay. two things always happens just I'd rather play pool tenfold. I'll play okay. pool all day long. Deal. I'm tagging in my pentagraph. I'm decent at that, but at table tennis, I can there's <laughs> there's not many people that can beat me. Table really? tennis. I like yeah. that. Uh Chris over on YouTube. Will you throw a swim? He said swim date, but I think he meant swim yeah. bait from yeah, your kayak. One, man, you know. Yeah, um, I've got a swim bait rod on there. I got a swim bait rod loaded in. I'll have the glide. The the glide's starting to do a bit down in Florida. It's never been a huge player, but uh, it's starting to catch a few down there. So I like to throw it around, especially when they start sliding up on some beds. I'll draw some big ones out and uh, see if I can catch them. Good stuff. Uh, let's see. Oh, three the hard way outdoors on YouTube. What is your favorite lake to fish? I guess bass or kayak. Where, where's your favorite place to fish? It's a tough one. There's so many over here, but I've always said to people, Lanier in the winter on the big spotted really? bass is one of my favorite places. Wow. Yeah. No boats on the water, freezing cold, giant, big, fat, spotted bass. It's fun. But oh, it's busy yeah. now, probably all through winter. It's a bit, it's, it's gotten big, but... Well, I could actually say a few lakes up in Idaho now might be my favorite, but Brandon will kill me, so I just might keep I've them. heard. So my buddy, he lives not too far from, from some of Brandon's lakes in Idaho, and he was telling me about these giant, giant smallmouth. And he's like, yeah, this guy, you know, he just caught a nine-pounder up, up yeah. at this one particular lake. And I'm like, you're a kid. And I, elk, I go elk hunting up there. Oh, yeah. And he's like, dude, you have to come, like – you know, take yeah. an extra week and go up there and just smallmouth fish. I want to, and I think they have tiger muskie up there too, uh, in some of those lakes as well that they stock yep. in Idaho. Huh. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that the muskie, there's giant pike. I've caught some giant pike up, up there in some of the lakes, but yeah, it's just beautiful scenery, big fish, just bit, it's different. So it, it would be hard for me to pass some of them up there too, but thousand Island, smallmouth. I just, I like them all. <laughs> it's so many cool different places uh elvis lee on youtube will you and gdp do a kayak one versus one uh, one v one match 
for the Winner YouTube or something. Yeah. Yep. We can make that happen. Yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> Pay-per-view on YouTube or whatever. <laughs> there we go. So Corey uh, asked uh, if you can fish without electronics. He covered that. Uh, he, you know, uh, I think you, you've touched on that a little bit. You, you've done a, a little bit of everything, you know, watching the yeah. growth of, of the importance of electronics kind of in the, in the big leagues, especially. Of like, the thing is like people get crazy about it all, but like it's been around forever. Like I've, you know, and I think I'm the, a really good age and I think the older guys a little bit older that are willing to accept the um, technology are in the prime because uh, I, I got to compete my whole life and fish growing up with no technology and using your instincts and your gut instincts and using all the things, the, uh, the wind direction and the currents and the temperatures and learning off that. And then when you add technology into that, you just, you, you, ten, you grow, you tenfold. But like if you shut any of those off, now you're now you're narrowing yourself down to a very one-dimensional. And it was a funny thing when I moved to America, people kept asking me, "What type of fisherman are you?" And I'd never heard that before. I'm like, "What are you talking about?" They're like, "What do you what do you do?" And I'm like, "Whatever catches them." And they like, and then they're like, "No, like, are you a jig fisherman? Are you a power fisherman?" And I'm like, "I just like whatever catches them. I hope that's what I'm able to do." But I understand what they're saying, but that was never the case in Australia because you had to be good at everything to be able to catch them. And what's happening in America is, is, is that's what's happening is like, that's getting arcs less and less because there are specialists, but you don't want to be a specialist anymore. You want, you need to be really, really good at absolutely everything. There can't be any weaknesses in your game if you want to compete at the highest level. And you need to be able to fish the bank with no technology and read the lay down and the snag and the way the grass is and that cast angles. And you need to be able to use forward face and sonar and make a perfect cast on a suspended fish and know how it reacts off your graph. Like you, you need to be able to do all of those. A lot you're of great stuff. Man. I'll go ahead and say yeah. you're a hit. That's that's. Yeah. I'm sure that's what you were about to say, Jeff. Uh, yeah. This has to be one of the best KBM broadcasts yet. I will say, you know, having having you on is is fantastic. You and G Man are probably the two most informative uh, pros that we've had on, and I think a lot of it has to do with your attitude and how you look at things, and you know constantly adjusting and fighting to you know to get to where you want to be and I, I think that's why you're both successful in this that's awesome man i appreciate it it's um you know that it that it, i think that is what it is it's like everything is how you look at it if it's doom and gloom guess what it's going to be it's going to be doom and gloom if it's like well you're going to look at the positive side of everything I just see everything, the negativity talking about in bass fishing right now, and I'm like, I don't see it. This is the, I've, I've wished my whole <laughs> life for this. Like, fishing my whole life, everyone just called, thought I was a loser. Fishing sucks. Why would you do that? It's not cool. And now is every kid wants to be a fishing a pro and everyone's got rat boats and the buzz is huge and there's people fishing and it's getting bigger and bigger and kids are think it's cool and they love it and there's high school fishing and college fishing like that's what i everything i'd ever wanted the sport to be i wanted people to see it and more people to get into it and now we've got it and people are complaining about it i'm like no this is a good thing but you're it's never gonna, gonna make everybody happy you know no. like there's always gonna be you know people that don't want whatever it is whether it's adaptation or growth or whatever there's always gonna be you know kind of that negative outlook on it well, yeah and 
it's a big thing is what happens to everyone on the elites and it'll happen to kayak guys when you're trying to get into it is um it's like you getting blindsided it sucks by things so like for me and this is the mistake you see these guys coming out doing podcasts and talking about being elite series angler this happened to me exact i made the elites i thought i'd i thought my life was set i thought i'm this is it like if i make the elites like i got the golden ticket my life would just be like unbelievable from here on out and uh within a few months i was broke and like <laughs> I couldn't pay the next entry fee, didn't know where I was going to drive. And I'm like, what the heck is this? And I'm freaking out. And I had to like somehow navigate through all of that and and come out the other side of it. And that's what's happening to everyone. You've got this preconceived thing in your head that like it's what people think they're going to get rich and then they don't have to do anything ever again. It's like when you actually dive into it, even people that are super rich, they're still working their butts off all the time. It doesn't end. There's not this thing, well, if I get here, everything's going to be great. No, you just leveled up. Now it's going to get harder and you're going to have to like dig even deeper to keep that and keep it growing. And so the more people get their head around that, the better that it's not, there's not just this pinnacle where you get to and then life's good. It's just always, you're, you're just leveling up, you're getting better. It's you'll work smarter, not harder, but at the start, you're going to have to work as hard as you can ever imagine just to like get a foot in the door to get a look in. And I think Jason Lambert, I think it was Jason Lambert that told me this. He's like, you look at professional fishermen and you think, they live this rock star lifestyle and and they're living the dream and getting to do whatever. He's like, these guys have two mortgages on their house. They don't know if they're even ever going to be able to fish at the pro level again, financially speaking. He's like, just because, you know, you, you got a rat truck and a rat boat one year does not guarantee what, you know, what's coming next. Yeah. But it, but it is good at the same time. Like if you do it right and you stay in long enough and you, do the right things with your sponsors and you become valuable and you just you you do all of these things it is incredible look at like g-man said this year he's like he's have he's he's older and he's like i'm getting paid more than i've ever been paid in my life it's like it's incredible because he's putting in the work he's adapting he's adjusting he's talking to his sponsors what do we got to do now he's not just relaxed like okay i made it and now he's there no he's always working and that's the thing just keep working and he's, he's built a brand around himself. You know, he, he's yeah. like you said, I mean, G man's a little older, you know, not throwing, not throwing shade on him, but he's adapted to yeah. kind of the changing, you know, I guess, platforms of fishing, like his TikToks are hilarious and, and, yeah. you know, blow up, but he, he's constantly, you know, looking for what's the next move, you know, how do I market myself better? And I think that's, you know, probably one of the biggest stories is, is how do you remain successful? That's how. Build your brand. Make yourself invaluable to these companies that work with you. Somebody up in the comments said uh, Carl's the Australian PMA. That's what they I said. I saw that. <laughs> I got some. I definitely get. We both, you know, I got my brand with Fear My Heart and between that and uh, and G-Man and keeping that, you know, my my crew right now with Gussie and 
Brandon, Swindle and the people keep around, they're all positive, go getting, getting after it people. And the more you hang around that, you, the more you become that. And that's a, that's a big deal too. Like you got to get around those people that are pushing you, that want the best for you, that are, you know, we're constantly talking to each other. Like what's, what about this? What about this? We should dive into this and just trying to constantly get better. I think a lot, I've, made the mistake of looking at elite series pros like it's this untouchable thing and they've got all these things going it's just like we're regular people doing the same things that everyone else was but we just people that get to a spot choose to go after it with everything they got and they don't take no for an answer and they just keep on going and keep on going if it's something you want you can guarantee you can get it you just you have to just keep trying and you have to love it you know it's going to through that love, it's going to be a grind. It's going to get really hard. But when you want it bad enough, you just that one thing, and just next year, next year, next year, it it will end up coming to fruition. You've mentioned uh, Brandon a few times. I thought he might be one we see jump over into one of these kayak events. He seems like the kind of guy that would do it. He would for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think BP's just he's like. He's like me. He might even be more competitive than me. We're pretty head-to-head. And if he thought like that he might be able to uh, get it done or you know, have some competition in it, he'd be in it for sure. <laughs> I'm sure if you talk trash to him a little bit, he'll jump in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I need to do well in this one and then I'll <laughs> crap. No, no pressure. We had we had Greg DePalma on last year before his first event, and then he won the event. So no pressure. No, I- <laughs> who, who would have guessed, you know, yeah, like yeah. He, he literally went into like, yeah, this time I'm going to break down the lake and then went out and just stroked him. And I was like, all right, well, maybe, maybe he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Uh, let's, let's get one more question in and we'll, we'll let you slide out of here, Carl. I know we've been going yep. a little bit over an hour. We appreciate you so much. Uh, this one is kind of a fun question from Michael Kravosky on Facebook. So we all have our crazy routines. We do the night before a tournament. Do you have any funny superstitions, routines or rituals before a tournament? um i don't really have any superstitions uh i definitely have not rituals but i have like um what would you call it like i just i i have the same like a routine i guess especially through a tournament so nothing gets forgot uh and but superstitions i had early like i had this hat i wore it until the bill like literally this part was snapped through the middle and like all this was worn and you could see the the bill and uh, as a kid and i would not take it off because i thought i'd never catch a bass or a fish ever again (laughs) if i took this hat off it was my lucky hat and uh, i had a lot of things like that with bananas too and the very first tournament i won um i i had this a mate that he hadn't done a lot of fishing and he wanted to go he wanted to fish a tournament and i was like oh you can fish as a co-angler with me so he jumped in the boat in australia and we're practicing on the last day of practice i'm dialed in and i'm catching i'm like i'm gonna i'm gonna have a good tournament like this is right up my alley he reaches into the back hatch and he's literally has like a dozen bananas in this bag and i looked at him and i'm like what are you doing and he's like what and I'm like, dude, you can't bring them into my boat. He's like, and I was serious. Like, I'm dead serious. And he's like, I had no idea. And I'm like, oh, my boat's going to sink. And uh, and I, I won the tournament, my first ever tournament. And, like, I was like, and I'm like, I'm never having that stuff again. I found superstitions not hinder you because if everything doesn't go perfect, like with your superstition, then it hurts you. It gets in your head and you start thinking, well, I did this or I didn't. I should have, you know, I didn't have my thing. And so now I just go fishing. 
just re- just have a have a good organization you know have a routine that i go through and uh and make sure i'm i'm ready to go fantastic that's awesome um carl i think i think you had a lot of fans already but i feel like folks in the comments ryan was saying it earlier you've gained a lot of new fans here uh we they had the same feeling we had ike on he's a real kayak fisherman too just like yep. you They've kind of adopted you as one of us through the comments here. So we, we appreciate <laughs> you. You're, you're part of the, the tribe now. So that's so that's you better awful. make us proud. All right. Yeah. Come on. All right. Pressure on. It's, it's 40 degrees up here in Tennessee. It's thawed out. You can you can breathe a little bit. So you better yeah. get in there and dominate. I know. I'm going down. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun. Let's uh let's do this again maybe after the kayak or after the classic, and I can give you a little recap of how I, uh, what I thought about it. We'll do it next Monday after you win Harris chain. Yeah. If I win it, we'll do it that (laughs) night. All right. Well, Hey, thank you so much. We're going to let you slide out of here, sir. And good luck. Not only at the kayak tournament, but we'll be watching on the elite series as well. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. Had fun. All right. See you, man. Take care. Man, that was fantastic. That that was, I knew it would be good, but that was even better than I thought it would be. That that was awesome. He, I, I mean, you know, just just the way he carries himself, like that. I think that's the the biggest the biggest takeaway from from tonight's podcast. You know, like he super positive. Uh, you know, just has that hustle in him. Yeah, a lot of people saying great show, great show. That's one legit Aussie, great show. Uh, yeah, unbelievable, unbelievable stuff. So I'm gonna be pulling for Carl. I already check was your, a fan. Uh, of check Ted. your Facebook messages, Jeff. I want uh, I want you to to pull up Jason Barofka sent a uh, kind of. What? A, helpful tidbit uh for carl on how to help uh measure fish for hair <laughs> chain he said he used it before his first kayak event which as we know uh saw him on the stage at possum kingdom and um you know we we learned the story of jt which has been uh you know awesome it's been awesome to watch him watch him grow and and i think jt just started school if i'm not mistaken he uh he's doing fantastic so uh, it was name. it was hilarious. I <laughs> had one of those one of those stuffed uh, fish pillows practicing uh, for measuring on a hog trough of all things. Uh, yeah, yeah, who knew? Who knew? How about that? There you go. Appreciate you, Jason. Glad to hear that about JT as well. That's cool. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, let's get the giveaway thing pulled back up. We're doing the Revo giveaway. You guys are doing the hashtag Revo. I see it. Uh, Corey said this was your best show. Great job. How about that? Appreciate you, Corey. It was a good one. It was a good one. one. I'm glad. I'm glad he's jumping in to the kayak side, but also very glad that he took the time to uh, spend with us tonight. Yeah, man. And he said he'd come back, so we must not have pissed him off too bad or anything. Yeah. Look at that. Look at that. Yeah. Big, big audience tonight, Ryan. I don't know if you were watching the numbers up there, but we were were up in the 140s most of the night. Um, Big audience on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, Look like the X slash Twitter stream shut down. Perfect. at some point so sorry about that <laughs> hopefully you jumped over here to, to facebook or youtube and the guys on twitch were saying that twitch was the the clearest stream really? of them all which i don't know everybody usually says youtube's clearest i don't know let's see here what do you say you want to do this giveaway let's do it i just got, got 80 three something. pairs the other day some some new revos in for this season they did you all so right yeah, send, a little, send a little care package thank fantastic. you fantastic here we go Drawing yes, Calvin, is, that is an autographed Bill Dance hat hiding behind me. Good slow Roll Holio, never forget. You're right. Let's see who's going to get it tonight. Who's getting the Slow Roll Holio tonight? 
<clears throat> I can't believe I made it through this round. I was feeling kind of rough when we started, but I, I rallied. I know. Squad. I'm glad you stuck around for this one. Oh, looky there. My boy, Tyler Zingley, right here in my own neck of the woods. You can just walk the Revos right over to him. I could. I think I'll just get them shipped to my house, try them out for a little while, and then find him somewhere and give them to him. I like so it. There you go. Congrats, Tyler. Yep. Hook him. Hook him horns. He's a, he's a is big, he? Yeah. He's a he's a old Texas Longhorn. Yeah, Longhorn fan. So congrats, Tyler. Good good guy. Good kid. I got a story about him. He, my son invited him to the very first kayak tournament years ago here in Northwest Arkansas. Came out and was like, "This sucks. I'm never doing it again." And. In fact, <laughs> Fast forward a few years later, he's the AOI for our club up here. <laughs> oh, man. So how That's about that? awesome. Good yeah. job. Yeah. Well, I am going to pack some bags and head to Texas. If anybody's on OHIV in the next couple of days, I Ooh, might yeah. uh, bump into you out there. Great show. Thank you all for tuning in. And again, you know, thanks to Carl for taking the time to share some knowledge with us tonight. All right. Catch a big one, Ryan. Yes, sir. Yes, sir.